We're going to start a three-week series called Roots and Fruits. And in a sense, our senior leader, Colin, last week, speaking about being rooted in Jesus from Colossians, set up this, uh, this whole month for us. The Revival Times is focusing on roots, spiritual roots and spiritual fruitfulness. So this is a theme that we're not only ministering from the platform, but also we're working through in our cell groups and in our lives the appropriate responses to it. So as I speak on the, on the first of three today on roots and fruits, just a reminder, the importance of roots to plants and trees. The root system of most plants and trees is below the surface where you can't see it day to day. It's, uh, it, it's there to absorb water and minerals from which the life comes into the plant and tree and allows fruit to eventually come. Not only does it bring life into the plant or tree, the root system, a strong deep root system can access minerals and water and life for the main trunk and the fruit, but also the root system anchors the plants of the trees. With all these hurricanes around, Sometimes when you see the devastation in different areas, one of the devastations you see is a tree that perhaps its roots weren't deep enough and the hurricane has come and it's just lifted it up and and plotted it down on the ground, roots standing up because it wasn't strong enough. So the roots, they allow the plants or the trees to remain stable. Think of the palm tree. The palm tree can be in a desert environment where, every, where nothing else can exist, but because it has long tap roots, those roots have gone deep, 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 deep and found hidden sources of moisture and water and minerals that means that on the surface, above the surface, the environment looks totally inhospitable, but because the palm tree has its roots so deep, uh, it's not... Uh, Its life doesn't come from the environment on the surface. Its life comes from deep down in the soil. Well, I give you that basic reminder of the importance of roots in plants and trees because we're going to now go to Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5 where Jeremiah is speaking about two types of people, the cursed person and the blessed person. And the blessed person is one that has deep spiritual roots in God, and the cursed person is somebody that has no roots in God at all. So we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord, for he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes. But I, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit." A picture here of two types of people, ones that roots are in the world and the trust of mankind, but another whose roots are deep in trusting God. Now there's a background to this picture that Jeremiah 
has brought to us today. And, and we find that in chapter 16. You see, the people had turned away from relying on God for living their lives. And now we're trying to get their nutrients, nutrients, the water for their life, not from the Lord, as it were, but from human institutions, uh, human resources. In Jeremiah 16, verse 19, we see a Jeremiah praying. And as he's praying, you can see the type of environment he's having to deal with. Jeremiah 16, verse 19. O oh Lord, my strength and my stronghold and my refuge in the day of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, our fathers have inherited nothing but falsehood, futility and things of no profit. Can man make gods for himself? Yet they are not gods. So Jeremiah is praying that one day these people will come to their senses and realize that all they're inheriting is of no value because it's not rooted in reality. These people are living in falsehood. They're living their lives on false presuppositions. The way that they think life works doesn't like, like, uh, work like that. They're futile. All their energies are going into things that have no real eternal purpose or profit. Things of no profit. It's a picture of people that have no idea what the reality of the circumstance and situations are. They're, they're living in a lie. Uh, they're living life without reference to God. And this is futile. This is falsehood. This is meaningless. They're making gods for themselves. They, 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 they are refusing the true and living God. And it's this background to which we see this comparison in Jeremiah 17 of cursed is the man, and blessed is the man. So back there in 17, let's have a look at some of the characteristics of the cursed man. Now, it's one thing for somebody to curse another, but when God says you're cursed, that's a very difficult and scary situation to be, to be in. And the worst thing about this person that's cursed is they're cursed and they don't even know it. In fact, they may think that they're blessed. But the reality is they're cursed. How cursed can you get when you don't even realize that you're cursed? I guess if you know you're cursed, you'll do something about it, won't you? So here we see this, this worldview. This is a man or a, or a woman who looks at life and has no real understanding of how life really works. Not how you want it to work, not how you think it works, not how other people tell you it works, but how life really works. This man has no idea. He's put his roots down into a lie. His worldview of how things work in life is a false view. Look at him. Cursed is the man, verse 5. What man? The man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. This is a person who believes he doesn't need God. If there is a God, he doesn't need him. This is a person that believes that all he needs, the resources to live a fruitful life, a purposeful life, everything he needs can be found in the resources of fallen mankind. Society can provide. Philosophy can provide. Politics can provide. Economics can provide. Relationships can provide. 
when he's looking to be fruitful and to live a, 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 a life worth living, he doesn't look beyond himself and he doesn't look beyond those people that are around him. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, makes flesh his strength. You see, while he's trusting in the resources of a fallen world and fallen humanity around him, including himself, he rejects help from the Lord. It says his heart turns away from the Lord. This is primarily a place of who do you trust to make life work? What will he be like, a bush in the desert? He won't see when true prosperity will come. He'll be running after all the wrong things in all the wrong places instead of seeking what really is prosperous and good in the Lord's eyes. He'll live in a stony waste, in a wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitants. In other words, the place or environment that a cursed person is, this cursed man, is like a desert environment. Although he may be having, and yet you hear about people who are in deserts and, and they're so affected by the heat that they, uh, they have mirages. They, they see oases where there aren't any oases. Remember one Laurel, Laurel and Hardy film and they're, they're legionnaires out in the desert and they begin to hallucinate. And not only do they see oases, but they see ice cream trucks and, and all types of things. And they're chasing after these mirages. And just as they get to the ice cream truck, it disappears. And just as they get to uh, the, the oasis, they believe they see, it disappears. This is what life is like for the person that does not trust in the Lord. They are motivated and energized by mirages. They, they, they turn up at one mirage and find that it promised much, but it had nothing to give. And what do they do? Well, if they don't turn to the Lord, they'll just give themselves another mirage to wander after. And yet all the time they're in a wasteland. But look at the person who's blessed. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Trusts in the Lord, trusts that God knows the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament knows how this world works. That God's view of the world, that it's fallen. God's view of the world, that he sent his son to redeem it. God's view of the world, that in the end, he will write everything for those that believe. That God's worldview is correct. And that when we line up with what God says, what, how, how God says life works, and the way that God views our circumstances, now we are rooted in reality. This man is rooted in reality. And look, he, will be, he doesn't just trust in what the Lord says. Christian principles, New Testament principles, ways to respond and treat one another, how life works. Not just what God says, but here there's a trust in God himself. It's intensely personal. You know, you can be, you can go to a, somebody with a law degree and say, I don't know what to do in this situation. Can I have legal advice? And you're trusting in their legal education and their legal experience. Or perhaps you're starting a business. So you go to somebody who's, who's started many successful businesses. You say, what do I do to, 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 to have a successful business? And you, you, you're, uh, you're relying on their experience and their understanding. Well, that's very good. But, but here it doesn't just say we rely on God's experience and understanding, but we rely on him himself. In other words, there's a personal trust that when push comes to shove, when it all gets difficult or it all goes well, it's not just about what the Lord says we should do. It's about the fact that the Lord is on our side 
and that we can trust his personality, his character, his nature, and his faithfulness. But look, this tree is planted by the water and it extends its roots to the stream. It was planted. It wasn't just some random seed that happened to be carried by the wind and just out of luck and good fortune, the seed just happened to be planted by the stream and and just out of good fortune, it was there, a prosperous place and it grew and extended and it flourished. No, this tree was planted. The picture here is that God has taken a tree from a desert environment, the cursed environment we read, and he has dug under the tree and he has lifted that tree and its roots and he has carried it over to a place of prosperity by a stream and he has dug a hole and he has planted that tree in, a tree planted by the water. The tree then has to do something. The tree then has to extend its roots to discover this water that it's planted by. It extends its roots. And then as it begins to receive underground, beneath the surface sustenance, then it begins to be green. It begins to yield fruit. And look, it is no longer, uh, its life and its flourishing is no longer determined by its external environment. It extends its roots. It doesn't fear when the heat comes. It leaves will be green. It will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. You see, the cursed person in the cursed environment is totally a product of that environment. If that environment is nice and rainy for a while, it'll do well. But the moment that environment changes, and it does change because it is by natural environment a barren wasteland, the moment that barrenness comes in, this cursed man, this bush, cannot function. It's put its roots into this fallen world system and into the strength of mankind and the resources of mankind. And then when mankind fails him, as it ultimately will, as he fails himself, and as the fallen world system fails himself, then he himself will fail. But here, this man who's been planted in a new environment, as he extends his roots deep into God's character, deep into God's word, deep into God's kingdom, he becomes less and less reliant on the people that are around him or the fallen system that is around him. And he becomes deeply rooted in God, meaning that when the, when the environment changes above the surface of the soil within which the roots are, the environment changes. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But when the environment becomes adverse, the tree is not touched by the environment because the tree is not rooted in the environment. The tree has got found a source that's deeper than the surface world. And then when the surface world changes, the tree does not change. How would you like to be so rooted in God's word, God's principles, God's ways and God's character? So rooted that whatever happens around you in the circumstances, 
Ultimately, it does not affect you because your resources do not come ultimately from those circumstances, but they come from God whom you're deeply rooted in. You're drawing your life, your purpose, your wisdom from God, and it's deep, deep down. You're you're not drawing it from surface moisture, but you're planted in God. Your life comes from God. Your fruitfulness comes from God. It doesn't matter if there's a drought, you're rooted in God. Your stability comes from God. Your deep roots mean that when the hurricane of adversity and opposition comes your way, your leaves and your tree may sway, but you will not be uprooted because you're a man who's blessed, a woman who's blessed. You see, as you Amen. Now, planted. Someone planted you. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 talks about the fact that the moment you in your heart give your life to Jesus and put your trust in him, the first moment you truly trust in him for your salvation and you believe that he died for your sins and rose again and you put your trust in that belief and that true fact, Jesus died for your sins, he's rose again and he's seated at the right hand of the Father praying for you. The moment you transfer the trust of your heart into that fact and trust that to be true for yourself, you have been transferred from one environment into another environment. Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. And there's other passages we can talk about. In other words, you were born into a cursed environment. How many of you know that when you were born, you were born with a sin nature? Nobody needed to teach you how to sin. That was your nature. You're part of this fallen world. You were born into this fallen world with fallen parents. You were born fallen born with a natural inclination like the cursed person not to trust the Lord, a natural inclination to trust the world, to trust the flesh, to trust yourself, to trust human resources. That was your natural default position in a fallen, broken world. But the moment that you believed, the Holy Spirit came and picked you up from a cursed environment where sin ruled. What is sin? Sin, basically, is not trusting the Lord. That's what sin is, not trusting the Lord. And you are uprooted from this whole world system and world view and world thinking and world attitude, the the attitude of the cursed man in Jeremiah. And you are taken over and then you were planted in the Lord's vineyard. Planted, lovingly planted there transferred from an environment of sin, of unbelief and rebellion to God, now you're planted in a vineyard of grace, mercy, love, joy. And when you're planted into that environment, God puts you there, what do you do? You begin to extend your roots into that environment. If you've ever taken a plant and planted it, or transferred one plant or a tree from one place to another... And you know what you do, and, and you, you make sure you don't smash the roots when you're taking that plant out. You want those. And then you place it in there, and you cover it over. Now, what do you want? Now, 
I've had, I've got some cacti at home. I like cacti. And uh, I've got two cacti that are a little bit sort of like, well, they're a bit, they're a bit, they're not straight. And that's because I didn't plant them right. And so they're not planted straight and, and, and they're all over the place. But when God plants you and puts you in there, you're nice and straight. But we, we have the responsibility now to extend our spiritual roots. You say, what are my spiritual roots? It's the same as the man who trusts the Lord in Jeremiah 17, trusting God, trusting that his view is the correct view. His response is the correct response. His ways are the correct ways. His, his, his ways are not our ways sometimes, but we trust them anyway. What's that? That is the beginning of putting your roots down. This is why we have to be so careful with new believers that we help them put their roots down because they're like baby saplings. They've just come to Christ and everything is new. And as they're planted, we need to care for them, watch over them, help them trust the Lord and know the Lord and how to trust him so that their roots can get stronger so that the devil can't pick them off or so the adverse circumstances won't topple them over. Paul uses another phrase about new babies, new believers. New believers are to have the milk of God's word. When you have a baby, you need, you need to look after that baby 24-7. You can't leave it to get on by itself. You need to give it milk and allow it to be strong so that it can mature. So when we talk about extending our roots, we're talking about Christian maturity, which is simply trusting God, being obedient to God because we trust him and doing it God's way. You know, nature has a beautiful way of illustrating the growth process. Take the Chinese bamboo tree, for instance. The seed is planted, watered and fertilized. And for the first four years, there is no visible growth. However, during the fifth year, the Chinese bamboo tree grows a staggering 90 feet in only six weeks. Now, how did the tree really take five years to begin growing? Although growth was not visible for, um, for four years, the root system was rapidly expanding and deepening during those four years. So for those first four years of the Chinese bamboo tree, you'd be looking on the surface level and you'd be saying, this tree's not doing anything. It's, it's, it's miniature, it's not growing. But those first four years, all the growth was beneath the surface. The roots were going deeper, deeper, deeper. That's where the energy was. And then in the fifth year, six weeks, 90 feet. It was the depths of the roots that allowed that tree to really realize its potential and become the kind of tree that God had intended it to be. There's a lesson for us here. Sometimes we'll be growing our roots and not necessarily seeing on the surface rapid change or fruits or blessing or prosperity or the things that we hoped for. But understand this. If God can so treat the Chinese bamboo tree to allow it to do, to do a work unseen roots, root level for four years so that when the time came, it could blossom and grow rapidly, perhaps God is doing similar things in our lives. Perhaps all, you say all this work, all the discipleship, all my faithfulness, all my trusting the Lord... Will I ever see the manifestation in the surface of life or the environment of life? Yes, you will. 
God is good at, God is better to his children than he is to a bamboo tree. And if he allows the bamboo tree to spend years of deepening roots, and then almost, if I can put it in, in this words, in an instant, the whole thing takes off. How much more when he allows our roots to grow deeper as we have time to grow our roots and put them out. This is us responding to God that we will one day be able to reap the benefits of that in the surface life, in the environment. You know, you can't be a big tree unless you've got deep roots. You can't carry much fruit unless you've got strong roots. The roots stabilize you. You know, Romans 11 verse 18 says, it's not you who support the root, but the root supports you. It's not you who supports the root, but the roots support you. So when we talk about growing roots this autumn, whatever that might mean for you, for some it might be the Living Free course, for others it might be other things. It's there outlined in the Revival Times in our cell groups, we're discussing this. For some of you it may be a first step to join the church in a new way and, 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 and cell group. Who knows? God, God, God is showing us and we're talking about it. But, but understand that your roots are the centre of your whole Christian life. If you have weak roots, you will have a weak life. If you have strong roots, whatever's going around you, you'll be able to cope with better. And when Paul says, it's not you who supports the root, but the roots who supports you, he's speaking into an environment where to begin with, in the early days of Acts, the Jews were coming to salvation in their thousands. But after a while... Those that were coming to Christ amongst the Jews had come to Christ. And people amongst the Jews that hadn't come to Christ began to harden themselves against the gospel. What that did was allow the apostles to then go to the Gentiles. They were saying, look, if you don't want it anymore, if you don't want to hear the gospel, then we'll go to someone who does. And they went to the Gentiles and then they began to come in in their thousands and thousands. Problem was, the Gentiles began to, get, began to get a little bit proud against the Jews. And they were saying things like, well, it looks like God's finished with the Jews. Thousands and thousands of Gentiles are coming in to the kingdom, but hardly any Jews are coming into the kingdom anymore. Oh, well, maybe God's finished with them. And Paul rebukes them and says, hey, wait a second. Just remember that your spiritual roots are found in the covenant that God made with the Jews and that Jesus was a Jew. So don't you think that you're something special? You've been grafted into this tree of the Lord. Don't boast against its roots. Next week, I'll be speaking on Jesus saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. Again, the idea of being planted. But this time, a wild vine branch, that's us, the Gentiles, were taken and we were grafted in to the trunk that was Jesus the vine. And then with the successful grafting, we begin to get the sap of eternal life and the nourishments that comes from Jesus and his roots into our life and our branches bear fruit. I'll be talking about how we do that ne next week. But your roots support you. If you want to be used of God, if you want to be this tree that flourishes no matter what environment it is, then attention needs to be given to your spiritual life. The decisions that you make, the actions that you take, the obedience to the Lord in areas of life, these are the very acts of trust that cause your roots to extend 
making you stronger and more stable in the kingdom and also allowing you to get the resources that you need, not from the world that fails, but from God that's with you. If we turn to Psalm chapter 1, the psalm to begin all psalms, you'll see a parallel here between the man with his roots in God and the man with his roots in the world, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers." The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. See again, two different people rooted in two different worldviews, how the world works. The blessed man rooted in how the world works according to God and lives his life and puts his roots into it. And the wicked man that lives according to the world outside the true and living God and put his roots into that environment. I mean, look, the wicked man, he, the wicked man, the blessed man doesn't walk where the wicked man walks. The wicked man, verse one, walks in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, what do I do? How do I live? What's important? How does the world work? And he's being counseled by false, wicked thinking. The, the righteous does not stand in the path of sinners. Again, in other words, how do we live life? What actions do we take? What path do we take in life? And the righteous is not on the path of sinners. The people who don't trust God talk about how you should live life, what the values are to be. But... His delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates in the law day and night. This law is not just speaking about the Mosaic law. In fact, it's far wider than that. This is talking about the word of God. In other words, he's not in the path of sinners. He's not in the council of scoffers or in the seat, sorry, the council of the wicked or in the seat of scoffers. The seat of scoffers means the authority of scoffers, the authority of of the wicked world order uh, in, in antagonism to God. He's not in any of those things. He's not getting his worldview or his life or making his decisions by those things. But instead, he's going to God's word, God's principles of living, God's idea of righteousness, God's idea of good and bad, right and wrong. He's looking at them. He's meditating on God, his ways, and his acts and his words, and he's applying them to every situation and circumstance that he finds himself in. And this is the man, verse 3, who is firmly planted. Again, not just happens to be here, but there's an act of God. God has put him in the environment where he can put his roots down, but he doesn't have to put his roots down. There's plenty of Christians 
who are barely rooted in the things of the kingdom. In fact, there are Christians, plenty, who you can hardly tell the difference between them and the world. They deal with things just like the world deals with things. They look for the resources of the world, just like the world looks for the resources of the world. They're hardly different to the world at all. Why? Well, they have been uprooted by the Holy Spirit and planted in the kingdom of God, but they're still thinking as if they were back in the old worldview. This is why the New Testament says the most important thing for a believer is the renewal of the mind, the renovation of the mind. Friends, could it be that we may have been rooted in the kingdom, but our mind is still in the desert? That where we're meant to draw sustenance from God and God himself, God, God's ways, we are still hoping for the resources of the human beings around us, this fallen world. We're rooted, but our mind has not yet been, has not yet caught up. But the moment our mind catches up with the fact that we're in a different world, with a different nature, and that we are in the reality of things instead of the unreality of things, then we begin to say, what do I do? And we begin step by step to make quality decisions that our roots go deep into the things of God because we align our mind and our decisions and our responses to the mind and decisions and responses of the word made flesh, Jesus himself. That's where these roots are going to extend. A famous blogger visited an orange grove where an irrigation pump had broken down. The season was unusually dry and some of the trees were beginning to die for lack of water. The man giving the tour then took this blogger to his own orchard where irrigation was used sparingly. These trees could go without rain for another two weeks, he said. You see, when they were young, I frequently kept water from them. This hardship caused them to send their roots deeper into the soil in search of moisture. Now mine are the deepest rooted trees in the area. While others are being scorched by the sun, these are finding moisture at a greater depth. How many people have been going through some difficult times and wondering what it's all about? How many people have been frustrated in their life and their aims and their goals and are wondering, was God really on their side after all? How many people have not understood that in fact what God was doing was what this orchard manager was doing to his own orange trees from a young age? That at times he was allowing them not to have the environment watered by a irrigation pump, a man-made irrigation pump. But he would turn the pump off. Imagine that his orange trees at the time would be thinking to themselves, if they had a brain, they'd be thinking, I'm thirsty. Why won't he put that pump on again? Why has the taps been turned off? I'm so thirsty. I'm, I'm so thirsty. I've got to have to, I'm going to have to find water some other way and begins to extend roots that would never have been extended if the man-made irrigation pump had been on day after day, that, that adversity, that trial, that challenge was allowing something beneath the surface to take place, a maturity, 
so that when that man-made irrigation pump broke, as every man-made irrigation pump of every man-made religion, philosophy and worldview will fail, when it fails, those, those trees, they had learnt to dig deep with God. Sometimes what we go through, there's only one way you can deal with what you go through, and that's to extend your trust deeper into God. Have you been through a death or a loss or, or, or a heartbreak or, or a failure? These are opportunities for you to extend your trust into God further so that you can become stronger, more mature, and ultimately you'll be thanking God, not because you went through those things, but you'll be thanking God because of the results of those things. The man yields his fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. Finally, the huge redwood trees of California amaze mankind. They're the largest living things on earth and the tallest trees in the world. Some of them are 300 feet high and over 2,500 years old. One would think that trees so large must have a tremendous deep root system that reaches down hundreds of feet into the earth, but that's not so. The redwoods have a very shallow root system. It, if one was to get down on your knees and examine the Redwoods root system, you would find that all of the roots from the trees in the same vicinity intertwine. They're locked to each other. When the storms come, the winds blow and the lightning flashes, the Redwoods stand still. Why? They're not alone. For all the trees support one another and protect one another because their roots are entwined together. As I close, I want to say that this deepening of roots is, is not just me and my tree deepening my roots here and then you and your tree uh, with nothing to do with me deepening your roots here and, and it's me and the Lord alone and it's you and the Lord alone and this is every man and woman for himself in the deepening roots of God. On the contrary, the New Testament is full of this interdependence that isn't just preferable, but absolutely necessary to be rooted in Christ. It's not only how deep you trust the Lord, it's how meshed and entwined your life is with believers around you. These big trees, these redwoods, they don't fall because they're interconnected. This is a picture of our life as we seek to pursue God in community and in small groups and cell groups, where when you're going through a trial, it's not just you and the Lord, but you've got a brother or a sister around you praying for you, advising you, that their roots are, are intermingled with your roots so that, so that you don't have to take it all alone, but someone standing with you, a cord of two or three is not easily broken. This interdependence of relationship in the body of Christ, this is maturity. So it could be that uh, this uh, month, some of us are going to say, do you know what, I'm going to get rooted in the brotherhood and I'm going to get rooted in the fellowship. I'm going to take steps, not just to be at the peripheries, but I'm going to ask the welcome team perhaps about a cell group or I'm going to come back to cell group or I'm going to find the right place and I'm going to, I'm going to have deeper roots and take opportunities that are there for me 
in the coming month, but also I want to entwine my roots with other people so that I'm secure and stable and can become everything that God wants me to become. How do you deepen your roots? It's trusting the Lord deeper than you've ever trusted him before. And that trust will be seen in the decisions that you make, the actions that you take, and the responses that you make. These deepenings are active extensions of trusting God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Could it be that there's some that are watching today, and I I know we've had trouble on the internet. Forgive us for that. It's a a new website, only been up a couple of days. We'll we'll get it ironed out and uh, we'll be back to normal. So thank you for your patience. But could there be someone watching or here today? And actually, you want to make sure that you're planted in the right environment. You've only come to a realization that, hey, Jesus did save me. He is raised from the dead. He did die for my sins. And I want to make sure that that I'm planted in in the kingdom of God, that I'm forgiven so that I can begin to extend my roots in this kingdom. I don't want to be in sin any longer. I don't want to be in that desert environment any longer. Well, you're only one prayer away from transference, from one plot into the heavenly plot where you can flourish in the kingdom.